Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. One scripture, I know the song says your ladder will be greater than the rest, but actually that is a scripture. Your latter days will be greater than your former days is the way it's put in the scripture. And he said the, the glory of the first temple will not, will be, or the second will be greater than the first and that's because the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. Each day is going to be a greater day in him as we, our body, I think Paul said our body is dying, but our spirit man is being renewed day by day. So we're not just looking at the outward, but we're looking at what God is doing on the inside. So we're going to uh, pick up again on what we believe as a church. And again, I'm not talking about new creation specifically, but obviously we are included. And, and we wanted to, uh, so we talked about seven things already that we believe in the God, the, the triune God. We believe in the Bible as the word of God. We believe that God created us male and female in his image. We believe the fall happened that took us down into the devil's territory, which is sin. And as a result, God has to issue a judgment. But through his son, he has wrought redemption, which takes us to redemption. God has redeemed us by the blood, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We talked about the church, how the church is the representation of God's plan in the earth and that at the end of all this God is going to restore heaven and earth and us back to the place that he intended us to hold in the beginning amen so today we're going to talk about a few points and these are the ones that I've added but I still believe that these are things that the church believes I don't come up with ideas based on what Harold thinks because that wouldn't do anybody any good it has to be based on what the scriptures th say. So let's pray. Ask God to speak to us and to deliver the message that he gave me to deliver. So Father, we thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Lord, you've given us, you've given your word to people that are fra fragile and frail and, and just human. And so Lord, I pray that my humanness would not block the revelation that you want to give us through your word that is the purpose of calling us you called us to represent you and so lord help me to represent you in the best way that you empower me to do speak to us give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying in jesus name and everyone said amen so the next point is the point on miracles now i didn't get a chance to load this one up so and it's not the text is not as long as some of the texts that we believe. But 
We believe in miracles. The church believes in miracles. But more than that, the God we serve, as another song comes up, is a miracle working God. And so this is what I have. We believe that the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is a God of miracles. And through the death, burial, and resurrection of his Son, and by the Holy Spirit, he has given his church the power to perform miracles in his name and to have signs following them as they preach, teach, and pray for those who are in need of a touch from him. That is what the church believes. Now, reality is all the churches have not, do not hold to this position. There are strands in the body of Christ that say, well, God did do miracles. God has done miracles. But after the New Testament came, the church, miracles stopped. <laughs> and of course, there's no scripture for that position. But my, Jesus said this, remember this? Jesus said, well, actually, I think it's, it's written in one of Paul's letters, and I think it's Ephesians. He says, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. You remember that? But I don't remember reading that somebody captivated God and caused him to stop being God. I don't remember reading that in the Bible. And uh, the one passage that, as I was going through, struck me, and, and, and so I wanted to read it in Acts chapter 26. It says, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Right. And this was Paul talking to uh, King Agrippa when he was given his testimony about how he got saved. And so my question to the church that doesn't believe that God still miracle, does miracles, why would it be impossible to think that God still doesn't do miracles when everything we believe is a miracle? I mean, th let's think about some of the tenets of our faith. Jesus was born of a virgin. Huh? Not a husband and a wife, but he's born of a woman by the Holy Spirit. Is that a miracle or not? Huh? He rose from the dead on the third day. Now Jesus brought Lazarus from the dead. He brought the son that was the woman from Nain. He brought him back to life. But all them died after that. But Jesus rose from the dead and he's never going to die again. Jesus did many signs and wonders. And, and the Bible says this, that the New Testament, and this is in the book of Hebrews, is a covenant based on better promises than the old. Remember that passage? Anybody know that passage? And I didn't get it, but you can look it up. So if we go back and look at the old covenant, we see Moses opening the Red Sea. We see him providing, not Moses, but God providing 
mammon for 40 years in the desert. Their clothes don't wear out. Their shoes don't wear out. He brings rot water from a rock. <laughs> we, we see Joshua cross over and all they do is yell and the walls fall down. He parts. We, we always forget this about Joshua, but the Jordan parted for Joshua just like the Red Sea parted for Moses. Uh, and we, we can go through all the miracles of the prophets. So then why, if our covenant is better than theirs, would we not have as much power or more than they did? And just logic, if you want to indulge me for a minute, logic would tell you that can't be true. Then how could ours be a better covenant based on better promises? Now, I know the better is that now our sins are forgiven. Theirs were atoned for annually, but ours are now have been wiped away. So that in and of itself is a better covenant. But let's not forget that Jesus said that. And well, let me read this one because I but, but we all we always read it. So it's not like we don't know what this is. But Mark 16 says. Later, he go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who, what? Believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They, shall, they will speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will take up serpents. I skipped that one, sorry. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And then some people say, well, that part of the Bible was not in the original text. How many have heard that? Okay, well, it doesn't really matter if it is. All you have to do is go to the book of Acts. And you see it in worship operation. So whether this passage, when, you know, and some people say it's only one version that it's not in. Trust me, I've gone through all this. To go to find, because you, you read these things and you say, wait a minute, how, if it not wasn't in, how did it get in? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the next question. But nevertheless, we spend more time trying to take away the supernatural power of God than to simply believe that God is a supernatural God. God doesn't stop doing stuff. He can't. He is what he is. His name is I am that I am. It's not I was that I was. It's I am that I am. Every time you ask God, who are you? He says, I am. I'm not I was. I am now. I'm present. The Bible says he's a very present help in times of trouble. He's not a past help. Because if we don't have any power, then we are left to the guiles and wiles of men. Paul said, and I think it's for 2 Corinthians, he says that your faith not be, may not stand on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So it's the demonstration of the gospel that has made the gospel what it is. 
It is the, the miracle working power of God that causes people to take notice. Now, let me, let me say that it is a miracle for a person to be unsaved. Except Christ. Excuse me, something on my arm over here. Except Christ and get a transformed life to where you can really tell the difference. That's a miracle, and that's all of our testimonies. Those of us that have accepted Christ. We used to be one way. We got saved, and we're no longer that way. That's the, my old pastor used to say, that's the B.C., before Christ, the transformation, and the A.D., or the after death, or after Christ. We, you can see a difference in the lives of people. And that is a miracle in and of itself. But don't discount that God is still able to heal bodies, to cast out devils, to open blind eyes. And, and, and the bottom line is just because we don't see it on a regular basis, which is really our fault, because I don't, we don't always have an expectation to see God do anything. I preach when we first opened the church, I preached the message, we need to raise our expectations. We have to stop settling for mundane stuff and believe that God can do the supernatural. Because it, it takes faith. Remember, Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? He came down and he was met immediately by the boy who had... I think they call it uh, epilepsy in, in modern day words. And the disciples tried to cast out the devil and they couldn't. And so he comes to Jesus and Jesus is asking him some questions about the boy and how long it's been. And then the man asked, well, if, if you can do anything, please help my son. And right away, Jesus turned that off. He says, it's not on me, my friend. It's on you. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. And he, as we should have done, cried out, Lord, I believe, but I'm having trouble believing. That's really what he says. <laughs> and if we would be honest, we would say, Lord, I believe, but I'm having trouble believing at times. And see, Jesus worked with that. He said, all right, bring the boy here. And he cast out the devil. We know the story. So we have to be honest that God is, not, is limited by our unbelief. And that's a, the most bizarre thing. I always, that, that's so mind-boggling, given who God is. But we know that that is true because Jesus went to his own town and he couldn't do many more works there because of their unbelief. So unbelief, the Bible says, he that comes to God must do what? Believe that he is. But not just that. See, because a lot of us believe that he is, but the, the second part of that is how we get miracles. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is not just, I believe that God can do it. That's the first part of that passage. 
But you've got to get to the second part to get to the miracle to be manifested in your life. You've got to diligently seek him because he will reward you. Amen? And so as, until we get, grasp this, the church will remain. Now, there has always been a powerful element to the body of Christ. Miracles have never stopped being in operation. But in the, when, when the church became intellectual, we tried to talk ourselves out of miracles. I don't know how much you guys know about Thomas Jefferson, but Thomas Jefferson, uh, they say he was an deist. But one thing that fascinated me about him was he wrote his own Bible. And he took all the miracles out of it. Most people don't know this about him. Because it was all of, uh, he, he had a mental ascent to Jesus, but the miracles were disturbing to him. So he just wrote them out. <laughs> and that's what the church has done. We haven't taken the Bible and said, I'm going to just erase some of them, although some of them have. Some of these translations take out some of the supernatural things of God. But the church has tried to undo it and make it intellectual. But it's, this is not an intellectual gospel. It has to be a gospel with, that has power. Because if you don't have power, you can't change lives. If it's just convincing. Now, I'm in the field of convincing people. That is my job. As a lawyer, my job is to convince jurors, convince defense attorneys, convince judges of my position or my client's position, I should say. So if it's all about just convincing people, well, it's the one who has the greatest ability to persuade. But it's more than that. The Bible says it's not just convincing, it's a conviction. So you, you can be convinced that the truth can set you free, but until you step into it and allow it to change you, it's all an intellectual argument. But the power of God comes in when you diligently seek it. I want to be free, but I'm not going. I'm gonna just wait on the sideline until freedom hits me. No, that's that's not how we want freedom. When you want to be free, you really want it, and you will do whatever it takes to get it. Amen. So the power of God has to be a great part of what we do as children of God, and. So in a lot of, lot of the other arguments of why people say that the church doesn't really operate is, well, it was for the 12, only for those 12 that Jesus called the 12 disciples, right? You guys have heard all these, right? I'm not bringing up new stuff, am I? But of course, the book of Acts dispels all that. So let's look at some of these things. Let's go to Acts 6, 5 through 8. And we all know this story and it says, and it please, and this is when they, the dispute, the church was still Jewish, by the way. It was disputing over how they were distributing uh, food supplies. The disciple says, we're not getting into that. 
It says you appoint seven people to take care of that, right? So the Bible, that's where we're going to pick it up. It says, and it's saying, please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, and they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid hands on them, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Now, let's jump to verse 8. Stephen, one of the seven we just appointed, right? He's not a, he's not a 12, right? <clears throat> Was full of faith and power. Did great wonders and signs among the people. Wait a minute, Stephen's not a 12? What is he doing? He's wrecking the whole plan here. <laughs> but then that's not where it stops. They kill Stephen, but Philip takes over. And Philip is, becomes what we call an evangelist because he starts traveling all over the place. He goes to Samaria and he starts laying hands on people, casting out devils, and doing all sorts of things. I think it's Philip is in... Um, Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Philip was not one of the twelve. So how do we carry this? How does this argument still survive 2,000 years later? It's not, and that's just, and let's, let's not even talk about Paul. Because <laughs> everybody knows Paul wasn't a 12, right? He was a, who knows how many later. <laughs> but Paul said, but he came with not enticing words, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. That your faith not, may not be stand on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul, who we all love because he wrote the Bible. He included us Gentiles, but he was a man of power. And he was so powerful, he didn't even go to people. He started cutting out cloths. <laughs> and just said, I can't make it over there, but take this with you and God will heal you. I mean, come on, man, that's power. Peter walks down the street. He said, I can't lay hands on all these, but here's my shadow. Let me just walk by them and God will heal. Do you, you see God and everybody might say, well, they had to have that because that was a indication that God was doing a new thing. Well, isn't God still doing a new thing? Doesn't he have to do a new thing every generation? Because that generation is long gone. I mean, we have the record, but the generation is gone. So if we're only powerful under one generation, we're, as, as Paul said in another context, we're of all people most miserable. <laughs> because we've lost what they had when they demonstrated the gospel. So we have to stop making excuses for our unbelief. That's really all we're doing. 
I don't see miracles. Well, let's ask this this way. When's the last time you prayed for one to happen? And you might say, well, I prayed, but God didn't do it. But let's stop looking for immediacy. I, I want Marquise to give his testimony because remember, we prayed for Marquise. Marquise's neck was stiff and sore, right, Mark? What happened? Say it louder because you got to take that mask off. Right? And it didn't happen right away because he was at the house. They were rubbing him down and he was having a good time getting rubbed down. But all of a sudden, he, came, he, went, he went in the bathroom, he came back, he said, man, I, he said, I, he said it's something, it felt like it was something he swallowed that caused it, but all of a sudden it was gone. See, miracles don't always happen instantaneously, but we have to still hold on because it's still coming. Just like we saying, you just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so we have to stop. See, we, we're so instant, we're such an instantaneous people. We want everything to happen now. And if we pray for something and it doesn't, we don't see the manifestation right away, the enemy talks us out of it. We've been talked out of more miracles than we really know. The Bible says this in the sower parable. He says, when the word comes... And they don't understand it. Then the enemy comes and steals it from them. And see what happens. And, and this, I, trust me, because I, I have been prayed for just like y'all have. And I've gotten prayer and, and this pain is still there. And that right away, the enemy comes in my ears. Well, you know, you're not going to get healed. And most of us just agree with them and go on and say, yeah, my shoulders still hurt. But just turn it around. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me go back to when I got saved. When I first got saved, the devil came to me and said, don't think that you're going to be saved just by saying that little bitty prayer. But, but I didn't catch this then, but about two weeks later, I said, you know what? I don't ever remember hearing that voice when I really wasn't saved. <laughs> Are you with me here? We're just halfway through this sermon, but our prayer is that God is already speaking a dynamic word to you personally. But don't keep it to yourself. We need you to testify. We want to hear what God is doing. Give us a call or text us at 425 425- 686-8197 to let us know what God is doing. If you're on Facebook, contact us at facebook.com slash newcreationcc or on Twitter at newcreationwa. Now, let's tune in for the second half of this sermon. So the devil doesn't come and tell you you're not saved when you're not saved. Huh? Are you with me here? But what he will do is when you've accepted Christ, then he wants to tell you you're not saved. Well, turn it around in the area of healing. If you pray, the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they what? Everybody say it together. They sh shall recover. And then when they shall recover doesn't happen instantaneously, the devil comes and says, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, man, you know that. That's, that was for the old people, the people 2,000 years. That's not for you today. So you might as well just go, go to the doctor, take your pill, and just deal with it. I mean, come on, we've all heard that after we got in prayer. But no, you, instead of just taking his word for it, because the Bible said he's a liar and a deceiver. So say, I don't care what I feel like. Because the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, which is one of the five senses. So you can actually say we walk by faith, not by our senses without violating scripture, right? Can you, can you do that? Would you agree with that? Sight is one of the five senses. So we don't go off of feeling. We go off of what the word says. And we just have to continue to take, here it is, the medicine of the word until your body responds to the treatment. Sound familiar? <laughs> Isn't that what doctors do? Well, you take a pill, and, 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 let, and this has happened while we, even in medicine. They give you a pill, and it doesn't work. Huh? Have you taken pills that don't work? <laughs> but you go back and say, your doctor, this don't work. You say, oh, no, you, you got to keep taking it. Keep taking it until it starts to work. Because it's got to get into what? Your system. And just like you have to continue to take the word to get it into that unbelieving system so that then the body can finally respond to the word, then it will be healed. But it's not going to be healed if you don't take the treatment. And the treatment is, by his stripes, I am healed. It's not what I feel. It's not how I see. It's what I know the Bible says. Now, yeah, I know this is radical stuff. It's radical for us because we're still struggling with pursuing the rewarder. <laughs> Diligently seeking the rewarder. But we have to. That's the only way it's going to happen. I mean, think about it. Anything, when I played football, I had to, I know I'm old now. I'm still talking about playing football. I can't do that no more. I, was, I met with a high school teammate of mine earlier this week, I think it was Friday. Haven't seen him since high school, which is, we were supposed to have a 40th reunion this year, but got canceled. And, you know, we talking about the games that we played. And then he asked me, well, what do you do as a hobby? I said, I don't do nothing now. <laughs> I said, every now and then I play basketball, but I just exercise. I just, I, I can't do what we used to do. But when I played I had to do something to prepare for each game. I didn't just show up. I mean, I did when I was a kid. When I was 8, 9, and 10, I could just jump off my bike one minute and they and score three touchdowns the next. I mean, that's the way you did as a kid. But when you got to the high school and the college level, I mean, college was even more because you had to have a regiment of a workout. I had to go three times a week, check my name off the list to make sure they knew I was there three times a week so I was exercising, trying to improve physically. Well, why do we think that the gospel is any different? I mean, we are so, and I, and I say we, I, I mean me too, but I mean the general we, 
We're lazy when it comes to spiritual things. I mean, God has made it so simple for us. All we have to do is accept Jesus as our Savior, read the scriptures, live it, come to church, and you don't even have to come all the time, but at least come more than you're not here. And to, but more importantly, live this thing. You, you, you can't get people to do that. You might, we're saved by faith, grace through faith. So it don't take all that. Oh, yes, it does take all that. You've got to commit to this. Just like if I'm married to my wife, I, I say, who, man, we're married. You go your way and I'll go mine. Now, that's not how you do a marriage, is it? You got to work at it. You don't, then you find out that she don't look that good in the morning. <laughs> and neither do I. She's, she, she's the only one to tell me, ooh, you, you need to, you need to, your breath is bad. And she's always telling me that. I guess I got to stop eating onions and stuff. But, and I, sometimes I get mad because she says it. But that's, she's the one, she, she, we'd rather her tell you than somebody else, right? you got to work at everything you have in life. I had to work to become a lawyer. I had to go to school for way too long. <laughs> I had to take an exam that took me two months to study for. I mean, eight hours a day, two months. And I didn't pass it the first time. <laughs> so I, I had to do it again. And didn't pass it all the second. I only passed a part of it the second time. And I was so mad. I said, I never flunked three times in a test, but I finally got it over. But I had to work. I didn't say I'm past. I, I got out of law school. Now I'm a lawyer. No, you're not a lawyer until you pass the bar. you just a guy who went to school for a long time. <laughs> you didn't get, you're not even a lawyer. So, but you got to work. Everything we have, we got to work for it. Why is it that we think the church is any different? I mean, we have folks that want to be Christians, but they don't want to pay the price. There is, Jesus paid the ultimate price, but you have a cross that you have to pick up and carry. That's a price. He says, take off your burden, but take on his. He didn't say, don't take any. He says, take my yoke. But he said, my yoke is easy because all it requires is obedience. That's his yoke. His yoke is obedience. Did you, have you put those pieces together? Because he asked you to do stuff, you have to do it. <laughs> That's all he tells you to do. Just, I want you to go talk to somebody. I don't want to do that. Then you've taken his yoke off because you're not doing what he said. See, we, we, don't, we don't farm anymore, thank God. I couldn't be a farmer. But a yoke, when you put a yoke on an animal, that animal goes where you want, tell him to go. They don't say, they may kick and scratch, but then that's why you got a whip. And you say, whoosh, whoosh, straighten up. Aren't you glad God doesn't use a whip? Although he does say he chastises us. <laughs> What's the chastisement? He convicts you. 
He brings you, when you say no, he makes you, he convicts you of the no, and he makes you turn to, the, to yes. He says, you are in the family, aren't you? And you say, yes, Lord, I am in the family. Then how come you're not doing what I say? <laughs> and if you're not in the family, then move out of the house. <laughs> Otherwise, do what I say. Amen? He said, see, we, we love to sing about loving Jesus, but guess what Jesus said about loving him? If you love me, come on, finish the sentence. You'll do my commandments, or in other words, you'll do what I tell you to do. That's how we show we love God. Not how much we cry and praise and worship. Don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling that. I'm not belittling that. That's emotion. Okay? But the love of God is shown in obedience. Kids, what, <laughs> think of it this way. You have children. And you say, Junior, clean up your room. Oh, God, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. I love you, love you, love you, Dad. Oh, Dad, I love you. Has he done anything he told him to do? <laughs> and Dad might say, well, gosh, son, that is wonderful. But your room is still messy. You still need to clean up your room. But Lord, didn't you hear, Dad, how much I love you? How much I need you? How much I can't live without you? I know, son, but you still need to clean up your room. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you seeing the picture here? And we're not discounting praise, but praise does not override obedience. And so you can shout until you... you, you you can't shout no more but you're still going to have to get up and obey you're still going to have to learn to treat people right and we didn't even get to that one yet but we're going there but we're going to close but the power of God has to be present in the church to be different otherwise we're just trying to convince people <clears throat> and I was talking to my friend my best friend Friday and we were talking about things that are touchy, politics and I, would, I told him I could convince you to vote a certain way because that's what I do. He says, no, you can't. You see, the way you, let me just show you a little secret about convincing people. <laughs> that's what I do, Harvey. You convince people based on their convictions. But you've got to find them first. And when, they, when you find a person's conviction, then you point them to the outworking of those convictions and ask them if they're consistently living their conviction or if they're consistently talking about their conviction. That's how you persuade people. It's based on what they believe as a core and when you get to the core, that's how you convince people. Because most people do not live out their convictions fully. We have them, but we don't always live them out. So that's how you persuade people. And so I, I, we just began to talk about different subjects. 
And he would bring something else and I'd stop him. I said, now wait a minute. Are you sure about that? And right away he would back off. No, I'm not sure. And so then I gave him a piece and I wasn't really trying to convince him. I was just showing him how the process works. And that's, if that's all the gospel is, then it's just cleverness. But that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the power of God. It's conviction, convincing, excuse me, it's convincing, conviction, and then transformation. That's the process. But if you're only intellectually persuaded, you're not going to stand long. Because then the challenge comes in. It has to be more than this. It has to get down here or otherwise it's not going to stay. Amen? So the power of God, although it's not the end all be all, it's a part. Because people, the, the children of Israel saw the, the Red Sea opened, but that generation didn't go. Why? Anybody want to answer? Because they wouldn't obey. <laughs> they would not obey. Huh? So are we still at the same stage? It's all about obedience. That's why the covenants really haven't changed because it all still comes back to obedience. You can obey how to bring an offering or you can believe that Jesus is the offering. But there's still an obedience. Amen? And it's, there's an obedience to believing that God is still a God of power and miracles. I don't think anybody doubts whether God is powerful. The problem is always with me. Is God, will God do this for me? Huh? That's where the stumbling is. Because we're always talking about I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. None of us deserve anything we get. It's by grace that he gives it to us. But he did say this, Jesus said, and I am closing. Jesus said that healing was the children's bread. Huh? Didn't he say it? So if you're a child, Put it together, put the pieces together. You get to eat from the master's table. And one of the portions is healing. <clears throat> Are you with me? Stop taking yourself out of the family and saying you're not worthy. He has made you worthy. He has made you worthy. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> and Lord, we come to you right now because we need miracles. There's people sitting in the midst of us. There's people listening that need miracles in their lives. And yes, we've talked ourselves out of believing you. But Lord, today we're going to change that. Today we're going to stop being the people that believe that he is. And we live in there, but we want to be the reward. We want to know you as the rewarder as we diligently seek you. So, Lord, I pray right now that the lives, the bodies, the health, the sickness that have, has invaded 
many of them your people Lord you said while you were here and I know this was the Jewish people you said that healing was the children's bread but you turned around in the book of Romans and said that we have been grafted in so we too are your children so Lord God I pray that you would give that portion of the healing bread to your children that need it Lord we command sickness and disease to leave people's bodies today we command devils to go out of people's hearts and minds and spirits today we command eyes to be open we command lame legs to walk we command deaf ears to hear Lord, we take the limits off of you. It doesn't really matter if we lay hands on them. Your word says we can send your word to heal. So we send it right now to those that are at home that can't get out. We command their bodies to be healed. And Lord, it's not by my might, but it's by your spirit. It's by your power. And it's by your word. You said that we can do it. I'm just exercising the authority you gave us so thank you for victory in the mighty name of Jesus we thank you for listening to today's sermon and we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires we at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150 South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life, where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God.